81, Russell Crowe. Welcome to another instalment of Two Geeks, Two Beers, with me, Tom, and my fellow beer-swilling, or swigging pal, Morgan. I, I both swill and swig. Yeah. Um, just before we start, I just a very quick mention to our Patreon page. Uh, boring, I know, but it, it would massively help us out if you wanted to support us. So if you've ever listened to our show and enjoyed it, just a couple of quid goes a long way towards production costs. And you can get some exclusive goodies and special episodes and content you can only get there. So go to patreon.com slash two geeks cast. Spiel over. Okay. Do you know what? Maybe we should always do that at the beginning when we're less drunk. Because that was <laughs> yeah. that was actually that was actually pretty slick, yeah. pretty smooth. Yeah. So well, as I've written here, I'm taking the reins this time, but we just did a little um a pre-planning before this, before recording, and Morgan's just gone mental. How many pages for this episode have you done? Well, on average, and I mean, this in itself will stun listeners that we have this much prep goes into an episode. Like, really? Um, on average, what? We have about, like, 12 pages of notes per episode? Yeah, depending um, on the font size. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and Tom, at font size 11, who is <laughs> ostensibly uh, hosting this episode, has six pages of notes. Um, I, I, I very much, you know, the host number two, I have 26 pages of notes for this episode. It, 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 I, I feel like it's going to be an epic. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just got really well, into it. I, 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 I spent an entire weekend thinking about nothing but Russell Crowe. <laughs> well, there we go. As, as we've just said, we're going to be going back through a journey of another our geek uh, and pop culture heroes, Mr. Russell Crowe. Now, I reckon if we did this in pre-corona days, you know, we would have definitely got ourselves like a, a few New Zealand beers and got totally and utterly banjaxed in honour of Russell but alas, we're still recording remotely, so whatever beers we've got in the fridge, we'll have to do. Um, but one day we'll get sponsored by a beer company and we'll just, you know, they'll help us but, out. But you've, you've raised an interesting point there, that Russell is in fact from New Zealand and not, yep. as many people believe, Australian. Australian. Although yeah. he did live most of his life in Australia and he was in Neighbours. So I think he's kind of like <laughs> basically an, an honorary Australian. Yeah. Well, okay, well, before we get into it, why are we doing a Russell Crowe episode? And uh, what do you love about Russell Crowe? Uh, why are we doing a Russell Crowe episode? I, you know, I feel like Russell Crowe's off-screen antics uh, in the <laughs> past, which which are well documented, have maybe uh, coloured people's opinions of him as an actor. But I just think he's a he's a brilliant screen presence um, yeah. and, a, and a complex character. Uh, yeah, he's definitely done some things in the past that he should and has apologised for. <laughs> um, but 
I think I think people forget now, in particular, he was just in the mid noughties which is pretty much where most of our <laughs> geeky inspiration <laughs> spring from, uh, 90s to mid noughties uh, The absolute shit, Russell Crowe. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like, like a well-respected star of, of the screen. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, just, I, like, I don't feel like... You never come away disappointed from a Russell Crowe movie. It may no. not be exactly what you're expecting, <laughs> but I don't think anyone went into Les Mis expecting that. But you can't. But you can't say that he didn't deliver something that totally blew your mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was not only Hollywood top draw and and genuinely well respected and Oscar winning, but like, be, like one of the sexiest men alive in the early nineties. He was just. <laughs> is, that, is that some kind of official ranking, like like People yeah. magazine, or is that just your own opinion? But in my in my kind of it's. <laughs> It's it's the Bruce Willis school of sexy Russell Crowe. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's got mm. a norm. Even at his peak, he was never like The Rock. You know, he was mm. never like stupidly ripped. He was just a good-looking chap from Australia mm. slash New Zealand um, who lo- <laughs> who liked a beer. And that's why I love Russell Crowe. So um, before we get into all his films, uh, mm. just a few uh, facts and a bit of a journey through his life story. So. Born in 1964 in the Wellington suburb of uh, Strathmore Park in New Zealand. Um, he was the son of Jocelyn and John Crow, both of whom were film set caterers. You know? mm. um, his father also managed a hotel. His maternal grandfather, Stan, was a uh, cinematographer who was appointed an MBE for filming footage of World War II. So film pedigree from uh, mm-hmm. from a, a long time ago. Uh, Crow's paternal grandfather, John Doubleday Crow, great name, was from Wrexham in Wales. Yeah, well, exactly. He's got mixed Welsh, English, German, Irish, Italian, Norwegian, Scottish, Swedish and Maori ancestry, all of which I think explains his accent in Robin Hood. <laughs> it does. And that king would be great. Not only would he receive the loyalty of his people, with their love as well. Um, so when he was four years old, his family moved to Sydney, uh, where his parents then pursued their career in set catering. Uh, the Australian TV series Spy Force came into action. So the producer of the show was his um, mother's godfather. And uh, Crow was about five or six when he was hired for a line of dialogue on one episode. Did you get any footage of this? Because I searched really high and low and I couldn't find any footage. There is a photo that he tweeted but there's no footage. I, no, I, 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 in my 26 pages of notes, <laughs> not a single link to a clip of Russ in, in Spy Force. But the earliest clip I could find um, was where he appeared briefly in the serial The Young Doctors, where Ooh. he was age 12. Do you want to have a look at this? I have not seen this. Exciting. Russell, is your mother here with you? No. Where is she? Is my dad. And where is your dad? Where he is every night. In the pub. So you obviously couldn't see that there, but even then, at 12 years old, he was sitting there with his shirt open, looking, and it isn't really long hair, looking cooler than I ever look in my life. I've, I've never then. seen such a surly 12-year-old. Like, even then, <laughs> he had that badass, don't fuck with me, Russell Crowe attitude at 12. <laughs> so he uh, left school at the age of 16 to pursue um, acting. Um, but he actually began his performing career as a musician in the early 80s. Now, we'll get on to um, more about his music later. But um, he first performed under the stage name Russ LaRock, spelled yeah. L-E-R-O-Q. Um, and he released several New Zealand singles, including Pier 13, Shattered Glass, and I Just Want to Be Like Marlon Brando. It says here, none of which charted. 
Um, <laughs> although, although he did yeah. later on become just like Marlon Brando <laughs> because he played Jor-El in a Superman movie. He so did. Russ finally achieved, well, not his musical ambition, but he achieved, you know, a kind of ambition. Um, have you heard any of his uh, his early oeuvre? I, I I listened to a little of, what was it? I just want to be like Marlon Brando. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I, st- I stopped pretty quickly. <laughs> well, his, his, his little burst will let the listeners decide what they think. He wears the leather clad toffee and he rides in the town on a zooped up Harley Dean. Hey, I wish that guy was me. Oh, well, he knows what he wants and he knows how to get it. Ain't no one gonna stand in his way. I said, hey, I wish that guy was me. Well, people say I'm crazy, but I don't know. Just wanna be like Marlon. I'm Marlon Rando. Pretty special. There you go. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so from 86 to 88, he was given his first professional role in a New Zealand production of the Rocky Horror Show, where he played Eddie slash Dr. Scott. And in 87, he spent six months busking where he when he couldn't find other work. So, you know, he, he went through his, you know, he, he did his time. He paid his due. He, he really, he was, he, he was like us, you know, underappreciated, you know. Um but then he, he did appear in a show called Neighbours, which uh, us UK audiences uh, will have, be very aware of. So um, I didn't know that, I have to say. Didn't know he was in Yeah, yeah he, was, he was in uh, one of his earliest screen roles. He played Kenny Larkin in four episodes of Neighbours in 1987. Uh, he was the ex-convict friend of Henry Ramsey, played by Craig McLaughlin. Um, who was the uh, son of Madge Bishop and the older brother to Charlene, played by Kylie Minogue. And uh, No Good Kenny, played by Russ, stole money from Paul Robinson and framed Madge for the crime. (laughs) How dare he? Uh, But how was pissed? (laughs) But then, shortly after Neighbours, and I don't know if you knew about this one, this is in in 1989, Mm. uh, Russell starred in Manager on the Case, uh, a public information film about how rehabilitation programs are administered in Commonwealth agencies with specific reference to the role of the case manager. It sounds <laughs> sounds riveting, I'm sure you'll agree. But do you remember in the office, the UK office, where they have that training video uh, yeah. posted by Peter Purvis? Yeah. I think it might have been based on this because, I mean, again, this, this really is something special. Good morning, Norman. Do you mind if I sit and have a chat? Go ahead. Don't sit on my chocolates. The doctor says you're on the mend. He advises rest, a course of physiotherapy, and you'll be as good as new. <laughs> Whatever he says. As long as my combo's on the way. What I have to do now, or rather what we have to do, is put together a program for your return to work. It's sort of a timetable of your rehabilitation. Why don't you talk to my doctor? I'm afraid you're confusing rehabilitation with the medical treatment. Rehabilitation is more what happens after your injury's been treated. It's the coordination of your return to work. It may involve vocational counselling, uh, retraining, workplace assessment. Look, look, what's the problem? I'm off sick now, I'll be back when I'm better. Can't be too hard, can it? I, what, what I like, it's the same surly performance he gave as a 12-year-old. It's essentially the same, like, it could, it could always be the same. <laughs> The same character, just eating, eating, eating cho- down cinnamon chocolates. I just want me compo. <laughs> right. So um, he had a few movie roles um, soon after all this, um, mostly in Australia. But his arguably his breakthrough hit 
um, which we'll, we'll get onto later as 1992's Romper Stomper, mm. um, which just saw him get proper attention essentially. So that was when he was like, okay, right, finally. And he's, he got the, he was recognized by American filmmakers, which leads us to our mini filmography in a mo. Um, but some more facts about Russell. Um, so let's go into his music, shall we? Cause, um, you know, we, we touched upon it and, uh, you know, I think you mentioned Russell Crowe music and most people just uh, roll their eyes and, you know, and they might have a point, they might have a point, but <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love it when an actor is like, I've got time on my hands. I'm really passionate about music. I'm going to do that as well as a sidebar. Why not? You know, Keanu did it and, uh, Keep did it as well. yeah, exactly. Lawrence Fox, probably should mention him anymore, should we? Um, so in the 80s, Crow and his friend Billy Dean Cochran formed a band called Roman Antics with an X, um, which later evolved into the band 30 Odd Foot of Grunts, abbreviated to uh, Tofog. Um, <laughs> Tofoggers is probably their fan, their fan base. Um, so Crow performed lead vocals and guitar for the band. Um, we may hear more from them later. Uh, do, you, do you have anything about? Uh, do you have any factoids about Tofog? Not about Tofog specifically. I know they released an EP, three full-length records, and played a sold-out US tour um, <laughs> before you scoff at Tofog. I'd go and see Tofog if they if they came to London again. I'd I'd love to see them. But, but but would you go and see uh, Crow's later musical group, Russell Crow and the Ordinary Fear of God? I had no. What's this? Yeah, Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe, The Ordinary Fear of God, who released the song One Good Year in 2010. Same empty bottles on the floor, another year gone by. And I was thinking once again, how do I take this losing hand and somehow win? Just give me one good year. Yeah, and we actually we actually just came to a, a realization then live on air that uh, the ordinary fear of God and thirty odd foot of grunts both Tofog. <laughs> yeah, he's done it's us. A, it's, a, it's a play, not so much on words, but a play on an acronym. Is that a thing? Yeah, but yeah. it's smarter than you think. And then, did you know that Russell Crowe then formed another musical group in in twenty seventeen? Yeah, I forgot that this happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, was it uh, with? So he formed it with. His lame is co-star Samantha Barks, actor yeah. Scott Grimes, and Swedish <laughs> songwriter Carl Falk. Indoor garden party. You stopped the Tofog acronym. Do do another one. No, they're now uh, Igpa. Igpa's <laughs> his thing. Um, so Crow is known for his um, his uh, anger, I guess, as well. <laughs> of, of, uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so between 1999 and 2005, he was involved in four altercations, which gave him, yeah, a reputation for having a bad temper. Um, this included in 2002, when, when Crow was alleged to have been involved in a brawl with businessman yeah. and fellow New Zealander uh, Eric Watson inside the this, London branch of Zuma. This, before you say it, this is my favourite <laughs> Russell Crowe fight fact. I when, when, I read, when I read this, I was like, well, we obviously have to talk about this. I read, it, here. I read it too and I was like, this could not be more on brand for us. So <laughs> I know. So start again, the, start again. Shall I just say it all over again? Say okay, it all so, over again. So this included in 2002 when Crow was alleged to have been involved in a brawl with businessman and fellow New Zealander Eric Watson inside the London branch of Zuma, a fashionable Japanese restaurant chain. The fight was broken up by Ross Kemp. Now, 
what's this about? Was he with Ross at the time, or was it just by coincidence? I like, I like the idea that Ross was just sort of you know, prowling the streets of London looking for oh. wrongdoings to write. And yeah, no, yeah, according to BBC yeah, News, about to, about to kick off, so I got out of there. <laughs> according to BBC News, Crow was said to have scuffled in the bar and toilets with Mr. Watson, with Kemp stepping in to break up the row. It's just like, yeah, no one's going to fucking kill me. All right. Not even you, Russell Crowe. I wish that that was... uh... We know Russell's got balls. And he's to Russell. I just wish that was filmed. I mean, I'd say Ross Kemp, we said before he was the UK Michael Chiklis. I'd say he could be the UK Russell Crowe in a weird way. Same energy anyway. BDE, I'd say. Um, So in 2005, he was also arrested and charged with second-degree assault by New York police after he threw a telephone at the concierge of the Mercer Hotel. Don't lie. No, it's just the idea that he threw a telephone at him. He would refuse to help him place a call when the system didn't work from Crow's room. He was also charged with fourth-degree criminal possession of a weapon. This is a bit I laugh at, in brackets, the telephone. Yeah. (laughs) The telephone was the weapon. But I Uh, I I feel like in Russell Crowe's hands, anything could be a weapon. Yeah. Um, okay, well, have you got any uh, factoids you want to say before we w- want to go into the, the filmography of Russell Crowe? I've, I've got a couple more interesting uh, yeah. Russell Crowe facts, yeah, before we embark on his on his filmography. Uh, he, he's part owner of the rugby league team, the South Sydney Rabbitohers, that's how you say it, um, of whom he's been a fan since childhood. Uh, Russell Crowe started smoking when he was 10. <laughs> uh, I can imagine that. If you saw him in that, in that clip when he was 12, he was definitely already smoking at that point. <laughs> Yeah, um, apparently he smoked more than 60 cigarettes a day for 36 Fuck. years uh, before finally quitting in 2010. Um, yeah. And and uh, one more. Um, he was once interviewed by the FBI over an alleged threat by Al-Qaeda who wanted to <laughs> kidnap him as part of a plan to target iconic Hollywood stars and destabilise American culture. So Al-Qaeda <laughs> were like, what can we do to really shit up America? Kidnap Russell Crowe. Someone's got to make a movie about that and cast Russell Crowe as himself. Or did they just take one look at Russell and he was like, ah, uh, no, there's no point. He'll <laughs> just throw a telephone at us. And, I, you know, was... I, I think maybe they like they were like planning on snatching Russell up and then they saw not just Russell kick it off, but also Ross Kemp was there with him. And they were like, <laughs> we, we didn't, no, we, did, we didn't anticipate Ross Kemp. We didn't factor in uh... Ross Kemp. Abort, abort. Okay, so let's uh, go through bit by bit um, his biggest films uh, from the start. So we mentioned Rumpa Stomper. Mm. I've got to admit, I've never seen it, but... Um, start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, he, he looks um, obviously very young, and it was in 1992, um, telling the story of the exploits and downfall of a neo-Nazi group in blue-collar suburban Melbourne. So it's, it's not the easiest of watches, I assume, um, but if you want to, like, a, a gateway into the beginnings of Russell, of who he is now, that's probably the start. Um, but but yeah. after so Romper Stomper was this you know uh, very critically acclaimed independent film, yeah, which brought Russell to as you as you said earlier the attention of Hollywood, yeah, and people and people might assume well it was great for him from you know from there on in he was you know the insider and gladiator which we'll talk about yeah. later but actually Russell's first foray into Hollywood was a bit was a bit of a misstep, um, he he co-starred with Denzel Washington in this film in 1995 called Virtuosity, which prior to researching this episode, I had never heard of, but no. now I am absolutely obsessed with. Do you want to see the trailer? Yes. In this high-tech crime prevention facility, 
One man has been recruited to play a simulated game. The objective, to hunt down the ultimate virtual reality killer, Sid 6.7. There's only one problem. The computer changed the program. Now, he's in the real world. He's interactive. On your knees, now! He doesn't enjoy the game unless he's playing against his favorite opponent, and that's me. From the director of Lawnmower Man. He's recreating mass murders. So you're saying Sid's a copycat? Sid 6.7 is intent on improving the original. Denzel Washington. Just because I'm carrying around the joy of killing your family inside me doesn't mean we can't be friends. Virtuosity. Game over. Oh dear. I have to admit, A, I'm fascinated and I want to see it instantly. But yeah. B, I'm, ama- I'm amazed that he survived his career after that, to be honest. That was... Oh. I feel like it should it should have been John Travolta. I feel like it's obviously yeah. a John Travolta vehicle that. Yeah, but like, yeah. it's interesting you say that his career survived because as we'll as we'll discover, it's more or less been erased from from history. Yeah. Uh, this film uh, it stars Russ as Sid six point seven, a virtual reality entity who later becomes a regenerating android. Uh, Sid, which is short for sadistic, intelligent, and dangerous, is a VR amalgamation of the most violent serial killers throughout history. Um, the film was directed by Brett Leonard, who previously directed another movie with similar themes, uh, The Lawnmower Man, in 1992. Oh, yeah. um, he also helmed Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Highlander The Source, the fifth and final film uh, in the Highlander franchise. Uh, Virtuosity also starred William Fitchner, a young Kaylee Cuoco, and porn actress Tracy Lords. Uh, right. It was a box office bomb, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> says it is woefully deficient in thrills or common sense. But, you know who loved it? Oh, Ebert. Ebert said that the movie was filled with bright ideas and fresh thinking and still finds surprises despite a somewhat cliche premise. I think I think Ebert has... Uh, there's been a couple of times where I used to review films uh, for websites and I came away... I just got sort of blinded by just the, the funness of being in the cinema. And I, I remember I gave Independence Day Resurgence like four out of five. But I was like, yeah, it's great. Independence Day, it's great. And then like a week later, I was like, that was one of the worst films I've ever seen. What, what am I doing? So I feel like Ebert had one of those. Maybe it was, uh, maybe was a little bit drunk that day. But, just admitted to being drunk on the job, nice. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, another fun little virtuosity fact: uh, the photograph kills a track by thirty odd foot of grunts. Tofog is heard in one scene. So you feel like that was probably on Russ's contract. He was like, Look, "I'll do it, but only if you have my band on the soundtrack." I love that. Even then, he wasn't like famous then, but even then, he was like making <laughs> demands. Would you mess with him? No, you wouldn't. No. Nah. Um, well, the same year as Virtuosity was uh, the Quick and the Dead uh, Sam that? Raimi film. No, I haven't. Really good. <laughs> Yeah, really good. Um, yeah, you got you got Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, Russell Crowe, and Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, and it stars Stone as a female gunslinger out to avenge her father's death. And Wikipedia incorrectly lists The Quick and the Dead as Crowe's US movie debut. Even Wikipedia oh. wants to forget the virtuosity ever happened. <laughs> like everyone's just pretending it didn't happen. Um, so a couple of years after that came arguably his like first proper film i'd say um uh la confidential which i only saw for the first time relatively recently and really enjoyed it obviously yeah 
Um, it's a great film. Great, great film. Mm. Did you see it sort of, you know, po- pre or post spacey revelations? Were you able to fully enjoy it or was that? Like oh, yeah, of- yeah, no. Pr- very pre, very pre. Oh, that's, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, LA Confidential, 1997, based on the 1990 novel by James Elroy and directed, produced, and co written by Curtis Hansen, also known for Eight Mile. Uh, the film tells the story of a group of LAPD officers in 1953. Russ plays Wendell Bud White, a plainclothes officer who forms an uneasy alliance with the straight-laced officer Ed Exley to combat police corruption. I've made it sound like a sort of action buddy movie. It's really not. <laughs> um, and it featured Crow, who was then more or less unknown to US audiences, because apparently none of them saw Virtuosity. Um, <laughs> it featured him alongside Guy Pierce as Exley, who was also yeah. uh, previously best known for a stint in Neighbours. <laughs> Who in the hell are you? Ghost of Christmas past. Did you dance with the man for a change? What are you, some kind of smart ass? You'll be out in a year and a half. I'll get cozy with your parole officer. You touch her again, I'll have you violated on a kitty raper beef. You know what they do to kitty rapers in Quentin. God. Hey, cool. that, yeah. that, that scene on YouTube builders, Bud White, manly scene. Um, <laughs> Crow didn't quite fit the physical description of Bud White, as he's described in the novel, uh, where Elroy calls him the biggest cop on the Los Angeles force. Uh, Russell Crowe isn't even six foot tall. Um, so... He decided, to make him feel like a big guy, he decided to move into an apartment that was so small that he had to duck to get into the doorways and in which he could barely stand up. Crow said that um, this worked in making him feel like a giant by the time he came to the set to shoot. So maybe you should just move into like a really small flat. I was to say, that's that's genius. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely doing that. You'd you'd need like really low ceilings to make it work. The amount of like, because we've moved in here and like there's so many bits of this house that people before clearly very tall. Because like the amount of things you have to like jump to get to get to it or get on like a little <laughs> little step ladder thing just to just to touch just to close cupboards and stuff it's ridiculous. Uh, the, the troubles you have, house. the trouble you have living in a normal person's house, a normal sized house <laughs> built for a, built need, for a regular built for a regular sized man. <laughs> need Bilbo Baggins' house. Uh. Uh, James Elroy apparently told uh, Russell that Bud White doesn't drink. So, committed to his role, uh, Crow didn't have a drink for the entire shoot, which he described as the most painful experience of his life. <laughs> and there's a follow-up to that later. But Crow's performance in particular was lauded. Uh, the New York Times called the fiery, brawny Mr. Crow a revelation, and the Washington Post praised his unique and sexy toughness. <laughs> Feels like everyone had a bit of a stonk on for Russell, basically, yeah, after, after, yeah. after that point. And who can blame them? He's great in that film. Yeah. Well, he then um, followed this up a couple of years later with, and I have to admit, I've not seen it, The Insider from 1999. I haven't seen any of films yet. Nah, but like... Um, we will get onto films that Tom has seen. Well, I've seen LA Confidential at least, but like, but with The Insider, um, it just looks and sounds amazing. Mm. And, and it was like not... Because I think people assume that his uh, Oscar-winning breakthrough was a year later, but no. Mm. It was this. Yeah. Nominated for his first Oscar uh, for playing Jeffrey Wigand, who's a whistleblower in the tobacco industry who is targeted and discre- discredited by Big Tobacco, which is disappointingly not a character in the film. 
That would have been, <laughs> been great. So what you're saying is it isn't enough that you fired me for no good reason. Now you question my integrity. On top of the humiliation of being fired, you threaten me. You threaten my family. It never crossed my mind not to honor my agreement. I will tell you, Mr. Sandifer, and Brown and Williamson too, fuck me. Well, fuck you. But yeah, Al Pacino, Russell Crowe, and Christopher Plummer. Like, what more do you want? Yeah. And directed by Michael Mann. So, like, it just yeah. sounds amazing. So, I will make an effort and watch that soon. So, and yeah, nominate it, for an Oscar. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it more or less was a box office disappointment, but a critical smash. The New York Times called Crowe a subtle powerhouse. Um, <laughs> and apparently, Michael Mann, he planned to cast Val Kilmer in the role until a wow. producer on the film suggested Crowe. And I like this story about um, Russell Crowe filming The Insider. Which is, you know, he's got the kind of the, the gray, the gray hair in the film mm. to to make him, uh, you know, more closely resemble the, the the man he was playing. Apparently, after filming a scene shot at a school, Russell Crowe pranked young castmates by screaming and ripping out his hair. The realistic uh. gray wig had many children fooled and horrified until the crew and crow erupted in laughter. Just like, <laughs> like, like cruel pranks and kids terrifying children in his in his downtime. Does um, Michael Mann have a thing for making the lead stars have grey hair? Because he did it with Collateral as well, with Tom Cruise. Do you know what? If you can come up with a with a third example, that's a trend. <laughs> Otherwise, I, th- I feel like two's a coincidence, three's a trend. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll think about that one. Let us know if there is such a thing. We'd be at Two Geeks Cast. Yeah, uh, podcast at Two Geeks Cast. No, what? What is it? <laughs> podcast at twogeeks2beers.com. Yeah, email us if there's a third Michael Mann film in which the With lead gray... actor is is, is <laughs> but, greyed up. But yeah, greyed up. He can't already have grey hair. It's got to be like a weird one-off. Yeah. Um. So that led to the year later in 2000, the big one, the big one that changed it all. I mean, he was already doing well. He's already being noticed, but this is the first time I'd say it became like a household name. Yeah, like an um, A-list movie star, definitely. Yeah, so obviously we're talking about Gladiator from 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and just before we go any further, you know how we, we've talked about before on this on this this show about how there, uh, there's so much kind of pivotal, useful information that would that would help me so much in kind of maneuvering my way around the world, like geography and history and science, oh, yeah. and it's just not there. But my headspace is occupied by useless information. Oh, yeah. much, much of which is related to movies and TV shows from the 90s to mid-noughties. Um, and one of them is Russell Crowe's speech from Gladiator. It's just in there. I can do All it. Right. Well, we're gonna, I was going to play it to you in a minute. So man, right. how about you say it over the top at the time, and then we'll see if how, how accurate you get it. Shall I do it now, and then you can play Russ, and people well, won't be able to tell the difference? <laughs> but I, wanna, I want you to time it perfectly. So I think All right. you, you watch it and right. do it live, as it were, and All I'll right. try and uh, splice it together. So Fuck it, I'll do it live! <laughs> <laughs> you picked yourself up too much now, so if you fail... I'm yeah. going to do it. I'm going to do it. Okay. Even after a few beers, I'm going to do it. Um, so won't go too heavy on the plot on that, but if you don't know, you know, directed by Ridley Scott, winner of many Oscars, launch of Russell as a Hollywood hunk, and it stars him as now you know I'm not very good at saying like remotely um, uh, I don't know not not non anglicised names yeah let's just see what I can do here so it stars Crow as yeah. Roman general Maximus Decimus Maximus Decimus Meridius who is betrayed betrayed by Commodus the ambitious son of Emperor Marcus Aurelius yeah nailed it, it. nailed Brilliant. it um. So, yeah, Commodus, played by Whacking Phoenix, murders um, 
Russell's father and seizes the throne. Uh, reduced to slavery, Maximus becomes a gladiator and rises through the ranks of the arena to avenge the murders of his family and his emperor. So it was like like an epic um, version of like Taken. <laughs> so it's like it's, it's like his family have been like murdered, and he's like, I'm, I'm like, right, I I will find you and I will kill you. And he does. Yeah, yeah. It's just Boy. like you're right. It's just like Taken. I mean, obviously, eight years before Taken, but still. Um, yeah. But yeah, just just a brilliant film. Just like not, I'm not usually a huge fan of this type of film. I have well, to admit, I don't. You know, I, yeah. I, I've not seen Troy, but I know I won't like it. Uh, <laughs> whereas, I, I, I whereas, have a soft spot for Troy. But but Russell is what makes it, and um, you know, it sounds like it, when they were making the film, um, the screenplay had to have been rewritten loads of times, and it, it, they were still writing it whilst they were filming it, and it, it could have been really really bad i feel like if, if well, things went a different way or they'd had a different actor in the role or if ridley scott wasn't directing it i feel like it could easily have been like a bit of a joke film but it, yeah. it was all the things fell into place and it was that sort of sword and sandals epic which hollywood hadn't really done since the days of like spartacus and ben-hur yeah. the real throwback to that it's really long it's like over three yeah. hours long i think right and uh, so again yeah it could have been like a really self-indulgent mess but it's yeah. not bloody brilliant gladiator and one of those yeah. films that is it's kind of accepted wisdom that it's brilliant so people don't talk enough now yeah. about how brilliant it is but actually yeah. go back and watch it it's really fucking good yeah so directed by ridley scott's uh, written by david franzoni uh john logan and william nicholson um and it also starred yeah whacking phoenix in an early role for him brilliant in it connie nielsen oliver reed in his final role and he's fantastic mm. in it and it's such a mm. shame because I'd love to have seen what he could have done build, building from this. Yeah, and one of the earliest examples of where they used CGI yeah. um, to, to complete some of his unfinished scenes. Quite yeah. subtle. Uh, Derek Jacobi, um, Richard Harris, and Richard Harris and um, Russell Crowe actually became amazing mates during the making of this film. He, he just, I think he turned up randomly at, a, at an award ceremony that uh, Richard Harris was getting something for, and Russell just he heard about it and just flew thousands of miles just to turn up. Um, that, that film must have been a, like, imagine though, Russell, I know. <laughs> Oliver Reed, and famous Hellraiser Richard Harris all on yeah. set at once. Like, oh my imagine. God. Imagine. Digimon Hunsu in one of his, um, well, it was his breakout role, really, wasn't it? I think yeah, he was not great in it as well. Um, but yeah, so he did one better in this film, Russell, from The Insider. He nominated for an Oscar for the second year running, and he won it, and undeservedly um, and, and so. So shall we, shall we watch the scene, that, and you're going to try and, uh, 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 and replicate yeah. it live? This will be uh, fun editing it back, but uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hear it now. Obviously, even if you haven't seen Gladiator, I'm sure you've yeah. seen this scene at some point. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Come on! Very good. And I, I promise that wasn't you just saying it after he said it. You uh, did it live. There was Very no good. canny editing there. I did it live. No. Very good. Um, so of being offered the role, Russell said, um, they said, it's a $100 million film. You're being directly by Ridley Scott. You're playing a Roman general. And I've always been a big fan of Ridley's. So it was like, it, he was a bit like, eh. but then they were like, look, come on. It's, it's a fucking big deal. Ridley Scott and your Roman general. Like, what more do you want? So he's like, oh, all right, fine. 
Um, just a few fun stories from the making of the film, though. Mm. Uh, apparently, you talked a minute ago about the idea of Ollie Reed and Richard Harris and those guys. So, um, Wacky Phoenix was apparently incredibly nervous on set, and he would ask Russell Crowe to sort of rough him up before their big scene together. Uh, probably that scene, I assume. So he could, like, psych himself up. And um, Crowe was apparently at a loss, and he went to Richard Harris for advice. And he goes, uh, mate, what, what, what are we going to do with this kid? He's, he's asking me to abuse him before takes. And then, and then apparently Harris thought for a while and then went, let's get him pissed. <laughs> so then apparently over the course of several hours and several pints of Guinness later, Crow and Harris just very much relaxed to whacking Phoenix. Now, there's no citations for this. It's just on IMDb. <laughs> so I really hope it's true. But, um, I hope that's true. Yeah. So sadly, maybe that was after Ollie Reed passed away because I would have loved to have seen the four oh. of them just having a pint together. Oh. And like li- little Joaquin as he was back then. <laughs> like, even though he's probably, he's probably like 30 at that point, but he, compared to these guys, he looks like he's 12. <laughs> just the idea of him sort of, uh, yeah, like Joaquin just being hazed by the uh, by the uh, other actors would be amazing. Yeah, Russell was continually uh, unhappy with the screenplay and he rewrote mo- a lot of it to suit his own ends. Um, so he, he apparently would frequently walk off the set if he didn't get his way. Uh, and the, the famous line, which you've just said, and I will have my vengeance this, in this life or the next, he initially didn't want to say it. He told screenwriter William Nicholson, your lines are garbage, but I'm the greatest actor in the world and I can make any garbage sound good. I don't think the line's garbage necessarily, but that whole speech yeah. is definitely something that in the hands of a lesser actor could have played, come off as cheesy. Yeah. But because Russell's got such grit and intensity, he totally sells. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it's filmed so well, and the music builds up, and he yeah. says it, boom, boom, yeah. and then yeah, it's just really good. It's just cinema at its as yeah. its best, isn't it? Um, and apparently Nicholson said later, in his defence, <laughs> my lines probably were garbage. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So a year after that came yeah. a beautiful mind. So here was where Russell proved he wasn't a one-trip pony. Um, and he could do different types of films. And for so three years running, he was nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars, which is like pretty damn impressive. The absolute shit in the mid-noughties. Yeah. Three on the trot. In, the Insider, Gladiator, and then that last one you just said. Beautiful Mind. Beautiful Mind. There yeah, we go. There we go. So in this film, um, he <laughs> played the lead role of American mathematician John Nash. My name's John Boy. Nash, being held against my will. <laughs> a lot of that going on. A lot of that a Nobel Laureate in Economics. I, I guess this was, uh, you know, like in Extras where Kate Winslet was like, you gotta, you got to do certain things to get an Oscar. I feel like this is what Russell did. And he almost did it, almost pulled it off. Yeah, and um, so in, this, in this film he plays a Nobel Laureate. Is there such a, <laughs> such a thing as like a dickhead Laureate? It's just, <laughs> like, it's like, this guy's a, a Nobel Laureate, but this a Nobel, guy... A Nobel Laureate. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I thought you had like Nobel laureates and then like really shitty laureates. That's just me pronouncing it dreadfully. No, Nobel laureate. Um, So directed by Ron Howard, it also starred Ed Harris, Jennifer Connelly, Paul Bettany and Christopher Plummer. What a cast that is. Um, And in the film, Nash begins to develop paranoid schizophrenia and endures uh, delusional episodes while watching the burden of his condition that it brings on his wife, Alicia and his friends. John Nash was one of the most brilliant minds of his generation. Welcome to Princeton. Who among you will be the next Einstein? Find a truly original idea. And it's the only way I will ever distinguish myself. It's the only way I will ever matter. He saw the world. Where's Nash? Out there, looking for 
for his original idea <laughs> in ways that no one could imagine. This flies in the face of 150 years of theory. Congratulations, John. It's the achievement of a lifetime. From producer Brian Grazer and director Ron Howard. I'm wondering, Professor Nash, if I can ask you to dinner. You do eat, don't you? How big is the universe? Infinite. How do you know for sure? I don't, I just believe it. It's the same with love, I guess. One of the most earnest, over-the-top voiceovers for a trailer ever, that. That, could, that trailer could not be more Oscar bait, though. It's got, he's playing a real person... It, yeah. it, there's mental illness. It's got, it, it, you know, it ticks all the boxes for for Oscar Bay. I have to say though, I have an issue there, where where he, she says like, "How big is the universe?" and he says, oh, uh, "Infinite," and she says, "How do you know?" and he says, "I don't. I just believe it." No, <laughs> Russell. Like, there's like, you can't there's, there's, for that. There's, but yeah, there's science suggesting that the universe. <laughs> like, you're meant to be like the greatest scientist. He's like, uh, yeah, it's just faith. No, it's literally not. It's actual science. I think he is a shitty laureate. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just other than being the film that brought uh, Bethany and Connolly together, um, still married yeah. to this day. Um, it's just a brilliant drama. Um, I don't think that trailer does it justice, really. I think it makes it look like it's something completely different, and it's not everything's quite as it seems. And it, I won't give anything away, but it's just a really good film. And it saw that uh, Crow could take on quite a challenging role that again could have gone south if they went too far. It could have gone into tiptoes territory. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> No one wants that, um, but it worked. What was interesting was that he apparently said he didn't want to um, see any footage of John Nash or meet John Nash so he could sort of do it in his own way so he can. He wasn't too overawed by it, but then he couldn't help it because apparently John Nash just turned up one day like, to the set. Shit. And like, oh, fuck. And then he had to like, and he hung out with him for ages and became good friends. Um, so that was all very nice. Um, so yeah, nominated again for a Best Actor Oscar for this, for the third year running. But this time, lost out to... Did you know who he lost out to in this I year? Don't. Denzel Washington for Training Day. <laughs> no, so, no, no, the spectre of virtue yeah. still haunts him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what I like that. I like that it's sort of, you know, the boys from Virtuosity in two years running, they made up for Virtuosity by winning Oscars. But I like, I like that he's like, oh, at last, that terrible film I made years ago, Virtuosity. I finally put it behind me. I've made Gladiator, I've made Insider, <laughs> and now, like, Beautiful Mind, incredible. I've been nominated for an Oscar. I won last year. Surely I'm a shoe in. And then Denzel's just there going, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> no. <laughs> So many actors were considered for the role of John Nash, including, can you guess, some 90s stars who were also up for it. And it wasn't Arnie or Stallone like it normally is. I would have loved loved to have seen it. My name is John Nash and I'm being held against my will. Let me out. Um, uh, Richard Gere. No, but he would have been good, yeah. Harrison Ford. No. Wow, okay. These are, these are normally the names that are on these made-up yeah. IMDb lists. Um, <laughs> Cruz? Cruz, yeah. He's one of them. Yeah, of course, of he, course. He would have been good. Cruz would have been good. Yeah. I think. There's normally some like rogue ones in there like Richard Dreyfus, um, uh, Val Kilmer. Uh, go on. Go on. Tell me. Um, apparently, yeah. Cruz, Bruce Willis, Kevin Oh, Costa. so Bruce Willis was in there. Yeah. Kevin Costner and John Travolta. I would have loved to see Travolta do it. I would have loved that. Uh, anyway, great film that. And then um, I, want, and- I, I want to take his beautiful mind off. Yeah, 
been great. Yeah, he, he had a year off in 2002. He didn't really do anything that year, but in 2003... I mean, I mean came... three, three Oscar noms, yeah. one <laughs> yeah, written. Yeah. Give him a break. He had to have a rest. But possibly my favourite film from this entire list is up next in 2003, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Now, mm. it's one of those films where on paper, you probably, if you haven't seen it, you should go, what the fuck's that? Yeah. But it's one of those films where everyone who has seen it pretty much unanimously goes, that's a fucking brilliant film. Why was that not a bigger deal? Because it is a really, really good film. Yeah. And I think the reason it didn't do well, as well as it should have done, and didn't become a big franchise like it should have done, um, was because it came out the same year as Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Another, sw- another Exactly. Another swashbuckling film. Um, also, because in the film, he plays a character essentially called Captain Jack in this film as well. And yeah. so it, it just, it, all the attention just went to Pirates of the Caribbean. And they were, they were crying out for a sequel with that colon, weren't they? Master and Commander, the far side of the world. They were clearly over exactly. Master and Commander Resurrection, Master and Commander Retaliation. <laughs> they like, yeah. Uh. So co-written, produced and directed by Peter Weir. Uh, it was set in the Napoleonic Wars and the, the plot and characters are adapted from three novels in author Patrick O'Brien's Aubrey Maturin series, which includes 20 completed novels of Jack Aubrey's naval career. So they had plenty of um, source material to make more films. Uh, it stars Crow as Jack Aubrey, captain in the Royal Navy, and he's back after having such a good um, on-screen chemistry and a beautiful mind. Paul Bettany returns. And he's back. As uh, Stephen Mortarin, um, the ship's surgeon. Um, and it's, they're just great, the boys, together. Um, it, it's worth seeing just for that. Uh, would you like a trailer? Have you seen Master and Commander? Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. All right. Uh, after being big enough, saying everyone who's seen it thinks it's the best film ever, you're like... I, didn't, yeah. I, I was hoping you would ask, because you're like, everyone who's seen it unanimously agrees it's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen it. I thought it was all right. It's okay. It's not Gladiator, but it's fine. Yeah, let's anyway, watch trailer. Let's, let's watch trailer. Yeah. All right, lads. Touch wood, Mr. Blakeney. Turn three times. May the Lord of Saints preserve. Just a broken arm, You're in very good hands. Seven weeks sailing, and he happened on our exact position. Well, then perhaps he was looking for us. Damn, he was good. An act of war will cripple them. With basic repairs, we can get home as we are. We're not going home. The power of nature will threaten them. Our enemy has more than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And we are supposed to stop them. Torn between fulfilling his duty. Captain's not called Lucky Jack for no reason. Phantom or no, Lucky Jack will have And the lives of the men he commands. Steady! He must face the invincible. Fights like you, Jack. A hunter becomes the hunted. Well then, there's not a moment to lose. Well then, not a moment to lose. I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, I, it's just, I feel like if it was released the year before, I think it might have uh, been a, a bigger success than it was. But it was critically well received, nominated for ten Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Director. So it wasn't like it, it was people thought it was crap or anything. But yeah, kind of forgotten over the years. I feel like not only Pirates, but Lord of the Rings was that was the last year for that, and I, I just I think it just got lost. Um, but do, you, uh, do I've heard I heard a story once about Master and Commander, and I don't hmm. know how true this is, but apparently there was there was an actor, and I, I think I, I think when I when I went back to try and research this, I couldn't find any verification to the story, but I've definitely heard this, and I think it was John Sim. 
mm. who said that he was called to Russell Crowe's house. Oh, um, yeah, I remember this. Yeah. To audition for the role that ended up going to Paul Bettany. <laughs> and, and apparently he gets to the house, walks into this big empty room, and sitting in a, in a far corner, cast in shadow, is Russell Crowe. <laughs> and, and he doesn't say anything. And just, so John Sim goes like, <sighs> Hi, Russell, you all right? And, and Russell goes, you will call me Commander. <laughs> Which, <laughs> he was already a character, and he wasn't just um, quoting Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, did, I really... did, John, did, did John know that was what was going on at the time? Or did he only figure that out later? What, that he was in character? Yeah, yeah. No, he, knew, he knew, but he was like, fuck this, I'm out. And, it's, <laughs> and he apparently just turned tail and walked out of the house. He couldn't. So <laughs> Bettany, I guess Bettany just played along? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Or they'd already cast Bettany, and they were like, well, we... they already, "We're already in a film together, so he already knows about Russell's shit." Yeah, yeah. or, or yeah. he'd already agreed to cast Bettany, and he was like, "I've got to see Sim. How can we like? How can we put him off up. Sim? Uh, Let's mess with Sim." Uh, well, that makes sense because my next point was that um, apparently Russell Crowe wanted to form a sense of authority on set, so he had all the actors wear shirts according to their character's rank. So officers wore dark blue, midshipmen wore light blue, and the Marines wore red, and every, everyone else wore white. Um, the actors also had to sew their own name tags on each shirt. Uh, and he also had the crew of his ship play rugby together while they were not filming so they could all bond and, and work better together as a team. So, you know, he was sort of doing a Daniel Day-Lewis, but having a bit of a laugh with it, I think. I think that's what he was doing. Again, another year off 2004, then he did Cinderella Man in 2005. Yeah. Which I feel like um, kind of gets forgetting about, forgotten about now. Yeah. But, you know, seeing him back with Ron Howard after A Beautiful Mind, good response yeah. from critics, three Oscar nominations, pretty respectable. Yeah. Right. And then in 2006, um, I was going to do a bit about it, but, um, you know, it, I, I feel like he should have done more rom-coms, Russell, because mm. he did a good year in 2006. You know, Again, okay. directed by Ridley Scott, yeah. reunited. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, a good year, Russell Crowe, as a successful but arrogant workaholic trader with a <laughs> cheeky, chappy persona. He's really cheeky in this film. Yeah. Oh, and, and he inherits a vineyard in France after his uncle's death where he meets Marion Cotillard's Fanny, and wine isn't the only thing that starts to brew. I mean, do you brew wine? I don't know. But this sounds like a film, Tom, that would be right up your oh, street. It is. I love it. It's a really good film. It's one of my parents' favourite films, and they'd seen it so many times, and I never, I didn't know what they were on about. And then I, I went home one year and watched it, and obviously within like 10 minutes, like, oh, it's one of my favourite films of all time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, really, really good film. If you just love a, a, just a, just a, just a whimsical rom-com with Russell Crowe having a laugh. And uh, it's, it's what you want. Um, a year after that, he did 310 to Yuma, a great um, remake of uh, of the original Western. Just Again, Westerns are quite rare um, in terms of like hit Westerns at this point. Yeah, well, yeah, but, but interestingly, it's a like Western film, a modern contemporary Western, directed by James Mangold, who would go on to direct mm. Logan eight years later, yeah. which many have compared to a contemporary Western. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, great cast. Christian, it's like Christian Bell versus Russell Crowe. They're both fantastic in it. Mm. And just imagine that. Imagine those two guys on set. Yeah. Like, it must have been an absolute nightmare, that film. <laughs> <since tonight. laughs> uh, but yeah, also had Peter Fonda, um, one of his final big roles. Uh, ben Foster in one of his first breakout roles. He's one of those that guy actors, isn't he, Ben Foster? Mm. But he, he's brilliant in this. Alan Tudyk, great seeing him in stuff. And Logan... <laughs> 
Yeah, um, yeah, just great film. That remember seeing that at the cinema back when I used to just go to the cinema all the time. Uh, I feel like in the, like the mid to late noughties, I went, for, I went, I saw pretty much any film that came out of the cinema. Whereas now it has to be like an obvious film to see. Do you know what I mean? Like now, well, 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 like, well now famously none of us see any now, movies. No films at all. But like even before this, it was like yeah. it has to be something that I know is worth my money because it's so expensive to see a film at the cinema now. Anyway, that's a whole other thing <laughs> to talk about. Well, the, the same year as Sweet Enter Yuma, he was also in American Gangster. Mm. Again, bringing them back together again. Denzel and Russell. Amazing. Yeah. And Ridley Scott again. Like, what? What? An, amazing. Yeah. What, what, a, what a trio. Yeah. So that's, that's dramatising the criminal career of uh, the gangster, Frank Lucas, played by Denzel, and the efforts of Detective Richie Roberts, Russell Crowe, to take him down. Positive reviews, right? Nominated for a number of awards, including the BAFTA for Best Film. What I like about it, though, my favourite um, American gangster fact, Wikipedia mentions that the film stars Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe in their first lead acting roles together since 1995's Virtuosity. Yeah, that, good. Is in the, that is in the first paragraph of American Gangster's Wikipedia page. So I was like, <laughs> right, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it back. Virtuosity. Let's acknowledge that it happened. But then in 2008, this is a disappointment. So yet again, Ridley Scott teams up with Russell Crowe. But it's Ridley Scott directing Russell Crowe and Leonardo DiCaprio in Body of Lies. And it just kind of happened. Do you know and what? It, it's, I've, got, I've got 26 pages of notes here. And <laughs> Body of Lies features nowhere in it. Because I totally forgot that happened. Totally forgot that yeah, happened. Yeah, it's 2008. And it was, um, it, it did all right at the box office. But it wasn't, it only has like a 50% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. And, um. It's just just a bit formulaic and yeah, just every now and then you get those films where it's like two amazing actors in it and for whatever reason it just didn't didn't work. Yeah. Do you know what? I think I think I've even seen it. Now you've talked <laughs> about it, I think I might have seen it and I've just totally forgotten it. But then a year after that it was in State of Play. Mm. Which again I haven't seen. Uh, but... I've seen I've I've seen it. It's fine. Yeah. But the T V series came six years before, so there wasn't a big gap. And and the T V series is just much better. So it's like, just, just watch the TV show. I forgot to mention in 2000, it might as well, it's a bit of a rewind, but uh, Proof of Life, do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that's worth mentioning of that film, I suppose, is the fact that he had an affair with Meg Ryan, his co-star. Um, yeah, that was yeah. it. That was, I just wanted to say, because I just, I just suddenly, well, I suddenly, I just suddenly thought, what was that film we had to we had an affair with Meg Ryan? I was like, oh shit, we missed it. Anyway, um, 2010 he did the next three days again not seen it um okay. but just a, a thriller film starring crow with elizabeth banks olivia wilde liam neeson and brian dennehy i'm already on board fucking so, brian um, dennehy yes please yeah um i'm definitely watching that directed by paul haggis but the same year he also did robin hood now yeah. um I've got a soft spot for this Robin Hood. I, I, I know it's it's not in any way perfect at all. I know that Russell's performance as well has has been a bit criticised, mainly his accent. But um, yeah, I mean, compared to the fucking state of that recent Robin Hood with um, Taron Egerton, yeah. this is great debacle. Yeah. yeah, but there hasn't. Let's face it, hasn't been a really good Robin Hood movie in in thirty years ago. Prince of Thieves. That's the last yeah. time. Three decades ago, we had a really good. And, and this one again should have been great. Ridley again directing. Ridley again. Yeah. You got Russ. You got Kate Blanchett, William Hurt, Mark Strong, Oscar Isaac, Danny Houston, Eileen Atkins, Leia Sadu, Max von Sydow, and Mark Addy. <laughs> You've got all the ingredients there for a great movie. But you know the original concept for this? No. So it was meant to be 
a kind of a flip where um, the Sheriff of Nottingham, played by Matthew McFadgin, was the lead and was like the sympathetic hero. And Robin Hood was a dangerous outlaw that he was out to get. But that got lost in subsequent rewrites and it just became a more generic Robin Hood movie. Uh, well, Russell probably saw the script. Is that, well, if I'm Robin Hood, I'm, I'm obviously the hero. I'm so obviously the hero. Part of that. Yeah. Um, and then in 2012, you did a couple of interesting uh, choices. So first, I haven't seen it or heard of it, The Man with the Iron Fists. <laughs> This is really devolving. It's like, again, I've not seen it. I've not even heard of it. Um, yeah. No, again, he had another year off from acting. He likes to take a year off every now and then. Um, and yeah, so in this, The Man with the Iron Fists, Russell played Jackknife uh, in, in this film, which was written, directed by, and starring the rapper RZA, who is the okay. who is the de facto leader of the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, yeah. And, okay. But it, it also stars Lucy Liu, Rick Yoon and Dave Bautista. Uh, oh. It made twenty point five million at the box office, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it was made for fifteen million, so it, you know it made a profit. And though it received mixed reviews, uh, <laughs> critics praised Russell's performance as Jackknife, an opium-addicted uh, British soldier named after his signature weapon, who was apparently partly inspired by RZA's late cousin, Old Dirty Bastard. So he was like, <laughs> "Who can I get to play this character based on Old Dirty Bastard?" Russell Crowe. My name is Mr. Knife. You may call me Jack. I have come to your fine village for a vacation. I do not wish to be disturbed. Yeah, and Crowe filmed all of his scenes in 10 days, and apparently RZA had to convince him to take part. Is it RZA? Probably is in America. Um, yeah. Apparently, RZA told Vanity Fair, I talked to him about it. He said it wasn't his cup, but artistically, he believes in me as an artist. We became friends because he believes in me as an artist. He said, I think you can do this, but I'm a serious actor. This is what I do. <laughs> this is not a game. <laughs> but, but, but Ross agreed to do it. And yeah, apparently very good in the film. Good. Well, the same year, um, he also did uh, Les Mis. Ah, uh, which, you know, obviously I love the musical already. Yeah. And so when it was announced that they're finally making a proper film version of the musical and it was going to be Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe together at last. Yeah. I was like, well, what more could I, what more could I possibly ask for? Now, I know that Russell's singing isn't always thought of as the best in the world. And one could say his, his singing wasn't the best in this, but... I, I th he clearly fucking loves Les Mis. That's what I love about it. He, he, you know what I mean? He really, he, he, once he heard that he had the opportunity of doing it, yeah. and he could, go, he could go up against a fellow sort of Australian legend, uh, yeah. the, his rival, Hugh Jackman, who's like, well, I'm obviously doing it, and I'm going to kill anyone who gets the chance to do it ahead of me. So, yeah. um, brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, the, it's, of course, the film adaptation of the stage musical, um, by director Tom Hooper, who was nominated for a Directors Guild of America Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Motion Pictures. Uh, he later directed the film adaptation of the stage musical Cats, <laughs> for which he won two Razzies. Um, Oops. So in case, in case you don't know, Les Mis tells the story of Jean Valjean, played by Hugh Jackman, who, while being hunted for decades by the ruthless policeman Javert, played by Russell Crowe, uh, after he breaks parole, 
agrees to care for a factory worker's daughter. The story reaches resolution against the backdrop of the Paris uprising of 1832. And Les Mis been stuck in development hell for over 10 years before finally reaching the screen in 2012. And apparently, although, you know, going against what you said, apparently Russell Crowe didn't much like the character of Javert. Thought he was a bit of a oh. dick, which, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but he met with the director, Tom Hooper, whose passion convinced him to take on the part. Also considered for the role of Javert, mm. his old mate, Paul Bettany. Wow. Amazing. So, yeah. Maybe they fell out over that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been in a movie together since. Paul Bettany saw it. He was like, I could have done better than that. Um, so you mentioned the singing. The soundtrack for a movie musical is usually recorded several months in advance and the actors then mime to playback during filming. But on this film, almost every song was recorded live on set, uh, apparently to capture the spontaneity (laughs) of the performances. Uh, And Russell was a fan of this approach because he said it allowed him to focus more on his acting. Uh, Now, as as you mentioned, you know, he gets a lot of stick for his vocals. But I'll say I'll say this. It's pretty much impossible to do a bad version of the confrontation. Valjean, at last, we see each other plain. Monsieur le maire, you wear a different chain. Before you say another word, Chabert, before you chain me up like a slave again, listen to me, there is something I must do. This woman leaves behind a suffering child. There is number me who can intercede. In mercy's name, three days are all I need. Then I'll return. I pledge my word. Then I'll return. You must think me mad. I've hunted you across the years. Men like you can never change a man such as you. Now, okay, it's not great. But it's not that bad, is it? Like it's, it's no. not like it's not like Pierce Brosnan and Mamma Mia bad. Um, <laughs> although I, I, when you're gone, when you're gone. Uh, no, but uh, but I prefer what appears to be Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe performing the confrontation back together, the boys in in, in a place called Joe's Pub. Um, and and when you watch this, Hugh's giving it welly. Russ, bless him, he's clearly running out of puff. I love that halfway through where they're doing the bit where they're like singing at each other. Yeah. Hugh's like fine. He's singing at, at Russell, but Russell's so knackered. He's, he's having, he can't look at Hugh. He's got to concentrate just getting the words out. He's, yeah. He's going he's gonna to run out of breath. It's like, don't put me off you. I've got to, I've got to do it. Yeah. Uh, but, but 
Tom Hooper, the director, he defended Russell Crowe's performance, musical performance in the film, sort of. Um, he said, we auditioned hundreds and hundreds of people, opera singers, musical actors, film actors, actors who couldn't sing or could sing. The truth is you need people who can hold a movie camera. To find brilliant film actors who are brilliant singers, there are so few choices. <laughs> sort of dissing, <laughs> dissing Russell's vocals a little bit there. Um, but he said, I ultimately stand by what Russell did. I love him in the film. I embraced a kind of raw attitude to the vocals that is unusual in the modern age. I tried auto-tune and composites of different takes, but I ended up using only the original live take. Otherwise, there was a loss of realism, integrity, and emotional vulnerability. So this, I, I've got one final fact about Les Mis, which isn't really Russell Crowe related, but apparently Hugh Jackman bought a lottery ticket for all the extras that took part in Les Mis to say thank you. Now, Tom, you may have a unique insight into this, yeah. Is this, is this true? Well, I'll have to ask. So my, my mate Sam was an extra on Les Mis, um, but I don't remember him ever telling me that. You think I, he I would? Asked, yeah, I'm sh- well, maybe maybe it happened. But like, I if he, if, he might have missed out, I'll have to ask him. But I did ask Sam before this. I was like, do you have any, do you have any memories of Russell Crowe? Did you, like, did, you, uh, did you get to work with him that much? And... Um, he so Sam was in the he was one of the convicts in the uh, you know the one of the first scenes mm. um the down that bit yeah um and you, you you can see him if you pause very very briefly but like he, I said yeah any, any stories about about Russell that we could share on the podcast and yeah it's it, it doesn't sound great for Russ to be honest he goes um if you were doing a Jackman special I'd have enough material um but Russell was a mighty something or other. Um, he was a grumpy diva for the whole shoot, <laughs> Com- compared compared to Hugh, who had deliberately starved himself for thirty eight hours and spent the whole time in the March Sea water with the rest of us. So, uh, yeah. Coming soon, the Hugh Jackman special. Two geeks, two bits. <laughs> I said we'll do a Hugh one soon, and you can actually like give us some great uh, tidbits. But um, yeah, yeah. But I reckon Russell was just in character. You see, I think he was there just you, go. you know in, in, in embodying the spirit of Javert. So. Uh, so after that, um, again, another film I've never heard of, Broken City. Have you heard of that? No. Got to say, no. Him, <laughs> Mark, Mark Wahlberg and Russell Crowe and Catherine Zeta-Jones. When did that happen? I don't believe it did. I don't believe it did. But then he was in uh, the first instalment of the, the short-lived, I guess, DC Extended Universe, Man of Steel. Yeah, 2013. Obviously, starring Henry Cavill as Superman, uh, a man of steel, kicked off the current DC extended universe, which is not so much a shared universe as a division of blame. Um, <laughs> having said that, it is one of the better entries, I would say, in the in, oh, yeah. in, in the series <laughs> by, by default. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's like it's not actually good, like Wonder Woman, but it's also not actively terrible, like Batman versus Superman. It's more your yeah. sort of mid-range, perfectly watchable Aquaman level. Um, But the film does get off to a questionable start, mostly because the first 20 minutes of the film all take place on Krypton. And the only interesting thing that Krypton has ever done is blow up. Um, So instead of what you want from a Superman movie, which is Metropolis, Lois Lane, Lex Luthor, there's some guff about a genetics codex. And you've got Russ, you know, God love him, as Jor-El, riding space dragons. (laughs) What were they thinking? Uh, Apparently, uh, Sean Penn and Clive Owen were also considered for the role, but but Russ won out. And I have to say, he does bring some dignity and gravitas to proceedings. And 
he could pronounce Krypton. So <laughs> one up on Marlon Brando. He wanted to be like Marlon Brando, <laughs> better than Brando. I would say. Yeah, not Krypton. Yeah. My, um, only, my only son, the planet Krypton. <laughs> and then um, a year after that, again, another another. I've got more. I've got more. Oh, you? oh, sorry. That was one of my ones. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Carry on. Yeah. So he appears in the film's extended, very extended prologue, and again later in the film, where a hologram version of Jor-El meets Superman in the Fortress of Solitude. To see you standing there having grown into an adult. If only Lara could have witnessed this. Who are you? I am your father, Cal. Or at least a shadow of him. His consciousness. My name was Joel. So Henry Cavill and Russell Crowe had actually met years prior to Man of Steel. Uh, they played father and son when Henry was an extra in Proof of Life in, uh. in 2000. And Cavill received words of encouragement to pursue acting and an autographed picture from Crowe, who was his favourite actor at the time. So, well, there you, go. you know, that's, 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 that's one good story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, Russell Crowe was envious of Cavill's physique on Man of Steel when they worked together. He said, he's a bit too perfect for words. And he joked, apart from being his dad, I hate the son of a bitch. <laughs> um, we'll probably mm. cut it, but the first time I did that, I, I said, son of the bitch. He's the son of, he's the, son of the bitch. Son of the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> not, son, not son of any old bitch. Son of the, the bitch. bitch. It's what my notes say. My notes say, I hate the son of the bitch. Oh, God. This episode's so yeah. long. I'm so drunk. It's so long. I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, what's next? Noah? Um, well, I've got this other film I've never heard of in my life. Winter's Tale? No. Have you heard of this? No. Again, apparently dreadful. It's only got a 13% oh, uh, is, approval is this rate. Will Smith? Yeah. Well, look at this cast. Yeah. Colin Farrell, Jessica Brown Finley, Jennifer Connelly again, William Hurt... Eva Marie Saint, Russell Crowe, and Will Smith. And I'm like, how, you know, Hans Zimmer did the music. What more do you want? Apparently, dreadful. But anyway, we'll go on to the next one because I'm running out of time. So, uh, we, yeah, Noah's next, I guess. Yeah. I mean, what? I've never seen it. I, I don't really <laughs> want to see it, to be honest. Well, I always, I, I always thought that it sank without trace. little boat gag for you there. But... <laughs> did well at the box office. Yeah, apparently, despite stirring up some religious controversy at the time, it received positive reviews from critics, which I know is always disappointing on this on this podcast. And it made three hundred sixty-two million worldwide. It is Darren Aronofsky's highest-grossing film to date. But I feel like it, it is a film with no legacy. Yeah, it's, a, it's again, it's a film that people barely even remember it exists. My, yeah. I've said my, my my favorite thing about it is that it received criticism for straying too far from the source material. The book of Ge- <laughs> the book of Genesis. Uh, producer Scott Franklin told mm. Entertainment Weekly. Noah is a very short section of the Bible with a lot of gaps, so we definitely had to take some creative expression in it. But I think we stayed very true to the story and didn't really deviate from the Bible. It's like, Bible, you've got Bible nerds. It's like Spider-Man, Star Wars. They're like, re- they're like the religion, you know, yeah, to, to, to nerds. Yeah. It's, the, it's the same thing. It's like, you changed it too much. It's not true to the original. <laughs> it's like recently with that new Spider-Man game where people are freaking out because they changed Peter Parker's face. And it's like, yeah. like, is it really that big a deal? Like, I'm a nerd and I get annoyed about like really stupid stuff. But like, is it really that big a deal? Oh, he's got, <laughs> Peter Parker's got a different face. Who cares? 
It's got to be two by two. <laughs> There's four giraffes over there. Anyway, um, Jennifer Connolly was back with him again in that film. Yeah. Uh, and Ray Winston and Emma Watson and Anthony Copkins. So, you know, brilliant. That's for that. Yeah. Um, so also in 2014 was his directorial debut, The Water Diviner. Again, mm. I have to admit, I've never heard of this film. That's all I've got to say about it. <laughs> no, mixed reviews. Apparently it was the highest grossing Australian produced film of 2014. Uh, but had a limited theatrical release in the US, many cinemas in the UK. It was screened for just one week. Right. Uh, but then in 2016, I'd say it was yes. his best film for a long time um, and proved that he still got it. The Nice Guys. Great film. Uh, yeah. co-ri- co-written and directed by Shane Black of Lethal Weapon and The Last Boy Scout. And it's a real throwback to classic buddy movies of yesteryear. Uh, set in 1977 Los Angeles, the film focuses on a private eye, played by Ryan Gosling, and a tough enforcer, played by Russell Crowe, who team up to investigate the disappearance of a teenage girl. You're a private investigator? My profession is very complicated, okay? It's nuanced. That is a lot of, that's a lot of blood. You beat people up and charge money? Sad, isn't it? How much would you charge to beat up my friend Janet? What? How much you got? 30 bucks. That's good. This conversation no is over. The mob is trying to spread its operation to Los Angeles. Somehow, my daughter Amelia is involved. Please find her. You seen this girl? Was it for me? Oh, we can do this the easy way. No! We're currently doing it the easy way. Whatever happened to offering me 20 bucks? It's the recession. There's certain people who I feel like are. Are, are, are great actors and they're kind of inhibited by the fact that they're so good looking. I feel like yeah. I feel like Brad Pitt is one. He's sort of almost hampered by the fact he's so good looking. I feel like Ryan Gosling is another. I feel like yeah. his heart heartthrob status kind of hides the fact that he's actually brilliant, brilliant and very uh, very talented actor with a lot of range. Um, <laughs> and it is a fine example of a subgenre that I know you and I both love. Tom, the boys solving crimes. <laughs> yeah, well, what do love, you want? love the boys solving crimes. Um, apparently Crow and Gosling both took their respective roles, uh, specifically for the prospect of working with one another. But the Nice Guys was initially written as a movie set in the present day, and then when that failed to sell, it was rewritten as a TV show for CBS in 2006. And when that didn't get picked up, a new film version relocating the story to the 1970s caught the attention of Ryan Gosling. Uh, Shane Black said, Ryan Gosling looked at it and his agent said, this is the sort of thing Ryan's looking for. Within three days, Russell Crowe said, I like it. And if Ryan's doing it, I'll do it. And after 13 years, it just popped into place in three days. Uh, and the film features Kim Bassinger in a key role, <laughs> reuniting her with Crowe for the first time since LA Confidential, 19 years earlier. Uh, Russell Crowe put on some extra weight for the role of Jackson Healy, feeling that the character, as an enforcer thug, should be a stocky brawler type. or, or at least yeah, was that was that on purpose? Was that just what he said? Or was that, yeah, just put it on, put it on for the film, mate. Yeah. Uh, Why we say? Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's for a role. Anyway, um, <laughs> in uh, 2017, um, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but it was the first instalment of the later abandoned. Was it the um, the, the dark universe, uh, the Mummy, which um, starring Tom Cruise, like monsters and that. Um, and yeah, yeah. And Russell Crowe played. Uh, who was it, Doctor Jack or Mister Hyde? Yeah. So uh, once, again, once again, you got Russell playing a supporting role. 
in what was at least supposed to be the opening film in a shared shared universe. Uh, the Dark Universe, famously being the only cinematic endeavour of recent times, to be managed worse than the DC Extended <laughs> Universe. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Universal Pictures, they planned a whole shared universe featuring its classic monsters like Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman and more, which is not in and of itself a terrible idea. Um, but very presumptuously of them, they, <laughs> they, they, announced, they announced a title for this shared universe. They released a teaser trailer for the franchise. There was official theme music composed by Danny Elfman. And uh. they, they even cast the roles before they'd even... Like, they cast Javier Bardem as Frankenstein's monster, Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man, uh, Russell Crowe uh, as Dr. Jekyll, who apparently beat out uh, Tom Hardy for the role. And they were all going to join the Mummy stars, Tom Cruise and Sophia Boutella, um, in this new franchise. Alex Kurtzman and Chris Morgan. Um, they were announced as the chief creative minds behind the franchise. There was even a photo shoot. They did a whole photo shoot with the lead. Yeah. Angelina um, Jolie as well, wasn't it? She was going to be in it. She was rumoured to be part of it as well. And all it took oh. was the mum. All it took was the mummy losing ninety-five million at the box office uh, for the whole thing to come untangled. But the mummy is now nonsensically built on Wikipedia as the first and only instalment in Universal's Dark Universe franchise. How can it be a franchise if there's only one instalment? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. No. Oh dear. Well. You can be that cure. Stop. A sacrifice to stop for the greater good. I'm not interested in that. At all. Okay. Don't. Okay. Ninja. We're just going to take a minute, and we're all going to come up with a new plan. We have to go. You don't know what you're doing. Really? I know exactly what I'm doing. Oh, my dear Henry Jekyll. If ever I've seen Satan's signature upon a face, it is on that of your new friend. Hey, 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 hey. Now, run, Mr. Morton. What? Run! Well... That's probably it in terms of his filmography until this year, um, where it was a film that came out, which we definitely really gone to the cinema to see together. Sadly, haven't been able to. I can't wait to see it. As as of recording, it's not quite out yet, but I think by the time it comes out, this episode, it should be out on uh, on demand or something. It is unhinged, which unhinged. just looks amazing. I know it looks shit as well, but I can't wait to see it. That, that's, um, sort of, that's sort of the point, right? Yeah, I mean... We don't get these sort of um, just one-off thrillers anymore, do you? This kind no. of, you know. And I, um, I, I saw the trailer at the absolute height of lockdown when I hadn't been to the cinema for months. And I was like, either I really miss cinema or this might just be the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it's a simple premise. It's a thriller film, but it is essentially following... Um, a young woman who is terrorised by a seemingly unstable stranger following a road rage, road rage incident. So Russell Crowe gets annoyed that this woman like parks him with her with her car, and then um, he's just annoyed. So he's just he's on a on a on a, ve- a vengeance mission. But yeah, I think you you watch the trailer, and I think you're meant to kind of hate Russell Crowe's character. Obviously, he's the baddie. You're meant to be on her side and follow him. But I remember watching it going. I mean, she's she's quite annoying. Yeah. She is, she, do you know? She, do you know what? Do you know what? When a woman parps me, I <laughs> the, the the first thought that comes to my mind is I'm gonna set off on a revengeance mission. <laughs> <laughs> revengeance. Uh, that's a new one. She she uh. parped him, and the only possible response was revengeance. <laughs> Should we watch the trailer? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh. <laughs> G.I. Joe, Revengeance. 
go. You know what a courtesy tap is, young man? Sounds like this. It's light. It's friendly. I'm sure that's what your mom meant to do. No, it's not. Mom! Having a kind of a hard time lately. I'm sorry. Accept my apology? Just ignore him. Well, if you could just do the same, we could press reset. I don't have anything to apologize for. Can you go, please? Ma'am, are you okay? I'm pretty sure the guy in that truck's following me. He's road raging. Why don't you just chill, man? Go your own way. I don't think you really know what a bad day is. But you're gonna find out. Great. It kind of has um, that falling down with uh, Michael Douglas quality to it, doesn't it? That kind of. This guy, I mean, I don't know the plot, so I, I don't know if he's going to end up as being some guy who's just an out-and-out evil bastard. I think, or I if think he's some, uh, from what I gather... I, yeah. don't know if he was, I don't know if he's meant to be some guy like in Michael, Michael Douglas's case where he was just having a really shit time. He's like, this is the last straw. But um, maybe not. Maybe he is just From, a, from what I gather, he's, he's, yeah, he's like a pre-established murderer. So oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe not meant to be on his side then. Um, but yeah, can't wait to see that. Um, yeah. And... You know, and have you seen, there is a, as much as I, I love that trailer, you just watch it and you go, Russ, big Russ, going nuts. It's called Unhinged. It's got everything yeah. I want. It's got Nirvana, which is like, you know, Hollywood's going very big on Nirvana movie trailers at the moment. You've got Heart Shape Box there. You've got something in the way on the new Batman trailer. So it's a great trailer. But there's also uh, a, a promo from Russ that came out at the time. And for me, it's every bit as good as that trailer, if not better. They say there is a catalyst at the heart of the cinema experience, a social contract, a binding dynamic power that lifts the cinematic experience into a realm of intimate connection between the audience and the screen and the stars in the heavens beyond. They say, but who are they? Some conceited, pretentious fuckwads who try to piss in your pocket and tell you it's raining. Well, fuck that shit. I got a movie coming out. It's called Unhinged. I'm not fucking with you. It's called Unhinged. And it's going to be in cinemas. Off you go. That was fucking I, brilliant. That was I love, one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. I love that he knows. He goes, he goes, it's called Unhinged. I'm not fucking with you. It's called Unhinged. And it's me, Big Russ, going fucking nuts. And it's like, it, again, I saw this at the height of lockdown. I was like, uh, all I want right now is Russell yeah. Crowe going fucking nuts. That's all I uh, want. Uh, soon, I don't know when you'll get to see it. Maybe it'll be when you get home for Christmas this year. You'll get a beer, maybe get a KFC bucket. Sit in your pants, put unhinged on the telly, and just go. Ah, this whole year has been worth it for this point now. Yeah, this is this is something that a generic person may or may not do. It's definitely not something that Tom has specifically planned for for for, for Christmas. As I was saying it, I was going. I now can't. I that is. I'm definitely doing that. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah.
Yeah. But so Unhinged was released in August. It became the first new film to be widely released in US theatres after the closure of, of many cinemas, of course, amidst the pandemic. So I feel like it's a film that might otherwise have gone under the radar, but it's got a lot more attention than you might expect. Or as The Guardian put it, now that everything else is ashes, and this is all we have, Unhinged <laughs> is starting to look like cinema's one great hope. Uh, and the film cost $33 million to make. It's made a worldwide total so far of $32 million, But it was the first film with an opening weekend gross of over $1 million since Pixar's Onward in March 2020. Uh, and it has received mixed reviews, which I'm pretty sure means it's two geeks approved as a much-watched movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it'll, it'll go on to have a cult following. Absolutely, it will. So, Absolutely, if yeah. we have anything to do with it, it will. Yeah. All right. Well, brilliant. Well, that that there we have it. Um, I feel like, as we've said before, Russell is one of those Marmite actors, a bit like Tom Cruise, really. Um, but I feel like when he picks the right roles, he yeah. is a fantastic actor, and he's just his presence on screen, even in shit films, you can't take your eyes off him. And uh, and he seems like a right laugh and the kind of bloke you kind of want to be mates with and have a pint with. So uh, he's, again, two geeks approved for that reason. Um, so, yeah, if you'd like more drunken ramblings about films, TV shows, video games, what have you, head over to twogeeks2beers.com where you can download, stream and subscribe to all previous episodes, including episodes focused on other geek heroes such as Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, David Bowie and Bruce Lee. Uh, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Spotify, Podbean, Global Player, Stitcher, loads of places. Um, it honestly makes our day when we read reviews as well, so please do rate us, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, email, podcast at two geeks. was it? Podcast at twogeeks2beers.com. Yeah. Uh, it does genuinely make it worth it. You know, we've been doing this for, what, five years or so now? Yeah. And, um, you know, and to know that there's folks out there who enjoy it it's so good to see whenever we do hear that and, and also like we do know how many people listen to this podcast we've got we're very we're very grateful in that we have hundreds you know thousands now of, of you know of listeners and we have about five reviews on, on yeah. our podcast so, so yeah. the percentage yeah. of people who listen to this podcast and then review it is very very yeah. small and we really really would appreciate it if you would just take a few a few minutes to to write a review on whichever platform you listen to us on, because it really does help us get the podcast yeah. out there to more people. Or yeah, or just tweet us or email us, whatever is easiest for you. Um, we just love to just love to hear that <laughs> we're not just speaking into a void. Uh, but yeah, we we do know we do have listeners, as Morgan said. So um, <laughs> we're not just doing it thinking no one's listening. We do know we have listeners. It would just be nice to hear from you as well. So so, so far, so far after this, after this, we may not have any more listeners. <laughs> I mean this. This is, I'm pretty sure, going to be the longest episode we've ever done. And of all the, of all the, because we said a, a couple of years ago, like right from now on, we're going to do quick fire episodes. Ones that will, we're not going to do like big franchises anymore. We're going to do like, we're going to focus it on things which will take a good like maybe 45 minutes to record, not yeah. too long, maybe an hour episode tops. And this, on my screen right now, it says two hours nine minutes, and it's really hard to edit things out. I, this is going to at least be an hour and a half. All about oh. Russell Crowe. Of all the things, of all the episodes you've done, why is this one? It's your 26 page that's done it. Anyway, do the socials. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're on all uh, social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at 2GeeksCast on all of those. Uh, so follow us there for announcements of new episodes, clips and also just our 
running commentary on the latest geek news. Uh, and we're also on YouTube. You can find uh, older episodes there and newer episodes there and clips from classic episodes. So are you not entertained, really, after all that? <laughs> um, for a second, I don't think you realise what I was doing. <laughs> a lot, I got yeah. it, don't worry. Yeah. Um, anyway, to play us out, um, I had to play a song from Russell's band, 30-odd foot of grunts, obviously, or Tofog. Um, you know, with everything going on in the world, and, you know, when this gets released, I think by then, hopefully, we'll know the outcome of certain real-world events. So I've gone for the <laughs> aptly titled Things Have Got to Change by Tofog. So enjoy this. And uh, see you next time, pals. I love that after all that, after the mess that that episode was, you're like, yeah, I'll end with a bit of political commentary. <laughs> <laughs> there'll, there'll be a commentary on the US political election. Yeah, great. I know I gotta get out, gotta run away. Can't afford the maintenance, baby. Things have gotta change, things have gotta change. Things have got to change. Wordless conversation, changing nothing, just wasting time. How did I get here? When do I get to go? Who gave you the notion you could assume the things I know, the things I know? Oh yeah, there's some things I know. Pointless conversation, changing nothing, just wasting time. I stress situations, baby, never been a friend of mine. The one thing we didn't talk about there in that episode, um, mm. Russell Crowe's appearance in South Park, of course. <laughs> Yes, season six, episode five, the new Terence and Philip movie trailer, uh, in which uh, Russell Crowe features uh, hosting <laughs> hosting a show. Well, not the real Russell Crowe, but he, he features hosting a show called Fighting Around the World with Russell Crowe. Uh, <laughs> the boys do not actually care about the show, but watch it solely to see the new Terence and Philip movie trailer, which will premiere during one of the show's <laughs> commercial breaks. Now, apparently, in the DVD commentary for the episode. Uh, Trey Parker noted that by 2002, Russell Crowe had gotten himself into fights on three different continents, uh, which led to the idea of fighting around the world with Russell Crowe, since Crowe had literally fought all over the world. However, Parker said that the initial inspiration for the episode came from a personal experience that he and Matt Stone had with the actor. Uh, apparently, oh, Parker God. and Stone became acquainted with Russell Crowe at an awards show around the time that the duo were winning a lot of awards for the South Park movie, Bigger, Longer and Uncut. And they described Crow as a really cool guy. Um, and, you know, they got on really well with him. So one day, they were invited to a studio by Russell Crowe, who was finishing his latest album. And he asked them to, he was like, come down, guys, listen to it and give me some feedback. So they were like, oh, this is great. You know, Russell Crowe, he's a big movie star and he wants us to listen to his album. And, oh, this is great. Yeah, we'll definitely come down. Yeah. So they went down. However, when they arrived... About eight of Crow's acquaintances were also there. Crow then proceeded oh. to play a CD of the album, which seemed completely mixed and finished already. No one in the room seemed willing to comment on the songs, and it soon became apparent to Parker and Stone that Crow simply wanted everyone to sit there and listen to the album. <laughs> Parker said that uh. while Parker said that while Crow was a very talented actor, 
he was a poor musician, describing his <laughs> record as Bon Jovi meets Hepatitis B. <laughs> <laughs> at, at one point, a song came on which featured hand clapping. Parker, trying to think of something constructive to say, suggested that Crow maybe mix out the hand claps. And literally, the place just got quiet, Parker said, <laughs> with all attendees in shock that Parker would dare to critique Crow. According to Parker, Crow then nonchalantly took a drag of his cigarette and said, well, maybe I'll mix them off the version I'll give to you. <laughs> After the album was finally over, Robbie Robertson showed up at the studio and Crow started the album all over again. Oh, Ex- no. Exhausted and unwilling to listen to the album a second time, Parker and Stone just got up and left. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> despite this uncomfortable incident with, with Crow, Parker and Stone said that they they have no hostile feelings towards him. They said generally he was incredibly kind to them and they think he's an extremely talented actor. They're a man on good terms and he even wrote them a letter to congratulate them on the success of their movie, Team America, World Police. So, oh. you know, ta- yeah, ta- <laughs> takes, takes his music very seriously. <laughs> but That must be terrifying, just seeing him like take, take a drag of a cigarette and just go... <sighs> He's got, oh God, what's he going to say? Christ. I like the idea that he's just like, come and, come and listen to it. And everyone's like, great, Russell. Great. I want to know who the other acquaintances were. I like the idea they're all the other actors and comedians from all over the place who Russell's met once or twice. Bet <laughs> like Tom, was, Tom Cruise is there. And, bet he's there. Uh, and they're, yeah. all just, they're all just terrified going, the, the latest Toffog. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. 